Hello, and welcome to the Payoff Podcast with IDS beat writers Amanda Foster, Matt Seabree, and myself. Today, we're going to discuss Indiana's woes against Iowa, a game which happened twice, and what the season finale against Maryland will mean. Okay, let us talk about that first Iowa game, which was played here in Bloomington. Amanda, do you have anything to say? Um, I, I do have a lot to say. <laughs> that the, the first thing I will say is that was a rough game. Uh, for Indiana, and I don't, their baseline, it just didn't, it didn't go well for them, specifically through the first three quarters, because then they had a 42-point fourth quarter and set a program record and a Big Ten record, and it was the weirdest thing I've ever, I think I've ever watched, um, one of the best live sporting events that I have been to in person, it turns out, um, but those first three quarters, I mean, they scored 11 points, then 18 points, then 20 points. And Iowa scored more than 20 in all three. And Kaylin Clark had two points in the first half. So it was just like they clearly didn't know what to do against Kaylin Clark and against the Hawkeyes, especially because Kaylin Clark was not the one that was scoring all the points. Monica Zanana was. And Alexa Gulbe said after the game that they weren't comfortable with Zanano, with Zanano on either end of the floor. And she was the one that was doing a lot of work. And it took them until the fourth quarter to figure that out. And at that point, even when you score 42 points, apparently that's not enough, which is crazy in its own right, because they lost 96 to 91, which is also crazy in its own right. Um, it, it was a weird game. I think they came out of it happier with the performance because of that fourth quarter, but they were still not pleased that they lost because they all thought that they could have done that throughout the whole game. Um, so that, it, it was a, it gave a weird feel going into the Monday game, I think, for me. Yeah, if that first game had only been three quarters, I think we'd be talking about it way differently. I mean, the uh, Terry Moore mentioned it post-game. You know, the fight that they showed late in that fourth quarter to, as you said, score 42 points, almost pull off the comeback, almost pull off a crazy comeback, um, was, yeah, that was definitely a wild, wild game that probably, as you said, gave momentum going into the game um, on Monday. But, uh, yeah, as you said, Kaylin Clark only scoring two points for the first two, uh, half. But the thing with Kaylin Clark was she was still, even though she wasn't putting up points, you could tell she was the main focus of the entire Indiana defense. I mean, Kaylin, or pardon me, Nicole Cardano-Hillary was just straight up face guarding her, not paying attention to where the ball was, just trying to make sure she was on Kaylin Clark no matter where she was on the court. And then every other IU defender was waiting to come with help defense anytime Caitlin Clark even touched the ball, uh, which I think really opened up a lot of their players, primarily Monica Sainano, as you said. Um, and that's the story of the game. Yeah, uh, exactly. As you said. And it's like every every Indiana defender, half of their mind was solely on Caitlin Clark, and then the other half was on whatever else was going on. And like you said, Kurt Arnold Hillary was just on Caitlin Clark, so it was. It was an interesting to watch, interesting thing to watch, and I think everyone could kind of tell what they were trying to do, and it, it worked in one way, but then obviously you have other players on the Iowa team that are capable of scoring double-digit points, and then it doesn't work when your own team can't shoot more than like 30% from field goal range. So. All right, so that was the first game. Let's talk about the second game, that one that happened last night for us. Do you have any takes? Today Matt? is Tuesday, by the way. Today, Just... Yes, we are recording this on a Tuesday. 
Uh, I don't know if we said that. Yes, today is Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Okay. Matt, do you have any big takes from last night? Um, so last night, obviously, the 88-82 uh, loss for Indiana. Um, yeah, they they looked much better early on in this game. They clearly came, despite the fact that this game was the road game. I mean, both teams, you look at the two games collectively, the road team in both games got out and played a much better first half in both cases. Um, so last night, that was Indiana jumping out to an early lead, had a 12-point lead, I think, in the second quarter at one point, scored 26 points in the first, 29 points in the second. That's, I mean, if you're Indiana and you're doing that, you are very happy with how your offense is performing. The issue was third quarter started to slip a little. They still had a lead going into the fourth, and then in the fourth, Monica Sinano just taking over and, you know, really uh, putting the game away. Yeah, um... Like you said, the first the first half was was really good for Indiana. They looked a lot more comfortable shooting wise compared to Saturday, despite the environment of Iowa, which has the the top ranked attendance in Big Ten women's basketball. Um, like you said in the in the first quarter, Indiana went on a total run after Iowa got on a nine two lead, and that was it was a key moment where it could have been like Saturday, where Iowa just keeps going and Indiana can't come back, but they did. They also did a really good job of forcing turnovers and getting a lot of points off of those turnovers and that's something that Iowa couldn't do but then obviously you hit the third the third quarter the fourth quarter where Indiana's offense goes cold and they can't score more than 16 points in either of the two quarters respectively and Iowa gets Caitlin Clark and Monica Zanano both going off offensively combined for 60 to, points which is crazy if you have two players doing that that's going to lead your team and you can't fit your defense can't guard two players at the same level at the same time. So that, you know, the, the, the fact that they could both go off like that, there's not much Indiana could do, but they could have done more than what they did. Um, and they just, they, they dropped out in the fourth quarter and fouls were, fouls were, were a very large part of that. Yeah, um, I, the fouls, the interesting <laughs> foul calls last night, uh, by both, going both ways, uh, Terry Morin, after the game, you know, she she mentioned it. She said, you know, the fouls, she admitted the fouls were uh, a little out of whack and not in the favor of the Hoosiers. To, to quote Terry Morin, um, and because we've talked about, and the fans and fans have noticed this all year, and Twitter has definitely noticed this all year, <laughs> about the officiating and some of the calls, and no one, none of the players or the coaches have really ever talked about it, but somebody asked at the post-game press conference last night, and Terry Morin said, hopefully the officials will go back and they'll watch themselves and evaluate. And she started that with saying, like, I have to be really careful about what I say here, which granted, of course you do. Um, but that was that was a really interesting phrase for me because obviously you can tell when they're annoyed on the sidelines, but to say something about it is, yeah. you know, it means, it means more. Yeah, Terry Morin was clearly not pleased with the officiating. And part of that is, I mean... Caitlin Clark, she's a superstar player in basketball. No matter what level you're at, there's always the, uh, you know, the idea that the superstars get the calls. That's just how it works in basketball, whether it should be or not. And that I think you could see that a bit last night when there were some calls where it was kind of a 50-50 situation where, you know, is this a foul on the offensive player? Is this a foul on the defensive player? And it just felt like uh, kind of throughout the game, Iowa ended up with more of those 50-50 calls than true even 50-50, and I think Terry Moore noticed that as well. 
Yeah. Well, and the thing is because, so Indiana had ended up having three players foul out in the fourth quarter, and Mackenzie Holmes, Kendra Brown, Nicole Cardano, Hillary. And Nicole Cardano-Hillary's last foul was with, like, four seconds left to go, and she was just trying to get the ball back in. So it wasn't like she, like, you know, went after, quote-unquote, went after. Like, you know, it wasn't like a normal personal foul that I guess you would be called on. Um, but the rest of the game, her and Caitlin Clark were going at it and both following each other. They both had four fouls going into the fourth quarter or getting getting them in the fourth quarter. Um, and Terry Morin said something about Caitlin Clark being able to force 11 personal fouls and not, you know, implying that she didn't get as many called on her, which is, which is true. But like the two, the two were going after each other. And like you said, it was like, you didn't really know what was going to be called foul and what wasn't on either end. There were times where it was like, was that really a foul or should that have been a foul? But it was, it did not seem like the most evenly matched foul calling by the end of the game. And when you have two of your forwards and Holmes and Brown, foul out and then you have no tall people left to guard Monica Zanano like that's and because of the foul calls it, it will be uh, there's a big change in the fourth quarter and I think that's why they lost a lot of their momentum because yeah. they just didn't know what to do yeah and Terry Moore talked about that post game too just Sonano how in the fourth quarter they were just they kept feeding it down low to her and she kept I mean I'm like it felt like four straight possessions mm -hmm. she drew a foul on either Holmes or Keandra Brown and that's what got those two out of the game. And once those two are out of the game, as you mentioned, you're stuck with a stretch four in Alexa Golbe trying to guard one of the best centers in this conference, if not in the entire country, mm. in Monica Sinano. And that's just not Golbe's game. She's just not a down low, you know, bang it out defender um, down there. So, yeah, that, uh, that probably definitely changed the flow of the game somewhat. But... Um, yeah. IU also was unable to hit shots down the stretch. So, uh -huh. But yeah. I think the the overall result changed, obviously, changed the flow of the game, changed the flow of the season. Um, nobody was pleased in that post-game press conference, specifically the players. I think Terry Morin, as a coach, you have to be a little bit more optimistic because you have to support your players. But we talked to Grace Berger and Mackenzie Holmes, and neither were happy. And, you know, they only have one game left in the regular season. And it is a very, very very close race, you could say, for the Big Ten regular season champion, and they're going to play number 13, Maryland, at home, and they did beat Maryland um, in the last matchup in, I believe it was the beginning of January, but I, I don't entirely remember, because um, there's been a lot of basketball in between. January 2nd. Uh, there we, oh, I was right, yeah, um, but it's... Uh, it's going to be an interesting game, and they definitely wanted to go into that with a win because they've lost three of their last four games. Yeah, and I mean, like you just mentioned, lost three of their last four. They had been the top team in the Big Ten. They had been leading the Big Ten. Uh, even going into last night, they were still leading the Big Ten. They were still number one in the Big Ten. Now they are, as of right now, they are fifth, um, which part of that is the top of the Big Ten is really, really, really good. That's, oh, yeah. you cannot get away from that fact. The Big Ten is really good, but also, Indiana's really in a skid right now. Mm -hmm. And they, I mean, this is the worst time to be in a skid. They gotta figure something out. And yeah, as you mentioned, I think this Maryland game will, uh, will be very important for uh, establishing momentum going both into the Big Ten tournament and then also the NCAA tournament. Yeah, because I mean, keeping in mind when they played Maryland last time, beginning of January, you had Mackenzie Holmes at 
her peak performance, good performance before she got injured. Um, and Maryland is a very good team and currently has five players averaging double digits. And with the way Mackenzie Holmes has been performing, she's been improving, but she's not back to where she was. The team is not the same as it was in January, in the beginning of the season, whatever, just because of circumstances. Um, and so it's, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what, what else there is to say about it other than, you know, you go into the statistics and the this or that and matchups, but uh, there's a lot of room for Indiana to, to move things around. They do have a lot of time to prepare because they don't play until Friday. Um, granted, Maryland hasn't played since Sunday, so they have even more time to prepare um, and they don't have to travel. And that is also something that Indiana has had to deal with playing what is it, like five five games in the past 10 days. Yeah, um, like that. Which is a crazy turnaround, and, you know, you don't have much time for anything in that aspect. Um, so I'm, I really don't know what to be looking for in this game other than an Indiana team that is energetic and, you know, they, they draw the fouls, they get sent to the free throw line a lot, they force the turnovers because I think that's what you're going to have to do because offensively, you know, you can't rely on your offense to draw the game. You have to look to the defense for that. Yeah, I think it'll be real interesting, as you just mentioned, there, how this Indiana team looks with a little rest. Um, Terry Morin, I mean, after the last, like, three games, I want to say, she has mentioned how, you know, the Big Ten Conference is not doing them any favors with the scheduling. I think those are her exact words she's used three or four times now. Um, and the Big Ten Conference is not doing Indiana any favors with this scheduling. Indiana, you know, they haven't had a two or three day break since for like a couple weeks now, um, which particularly when you're trying to bring back one of your star players in Mackenzie Holmes, it's hard to work her back in slowly when that's absolutely not an option. When mm -hmm. you're just having to play uh, ranked opponents back to back, like on one day rest, if that, and you've been traveling. I think it'll be real interesting though to see with this rest uh, how Indiana does. Um, you know, a little bit of time to prepare for a very, very good Maryland team. Mm -hmm. Oh, and just looking at the schedule, they haven't had more than three days off between games the entire um, month. So since the COVID break that they took, pretty yeah. much? Okay, yeah. got it. That, okay. That's about right. They had they played Michigan on January 31st and then Minnesota on February 3rd, and then it goes about every two or three days. And it's brutal. Yeah. It really is because you play, like, you got Purdue and Michigan State, and Nebraska turned out to be better than they expected. Northwestern turned out to be more competitive than they expected. Like, they... They have not had an easy game in no. who knows how long. And you have to you have to wonder how much of that, uh, you know, just that uh, wear and tear on them and just affected the game last night. You know, they were leading until the fourth quarter. At some point, though, your body just can't keep going. Yeah. You just need a break. And, you know, I wonder if that played a role uh, last night with just fatigue from just days and days without rest. You know, going into the fourth quarter, and it's 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 tough to keep playing there. On on the bright side, that could prepare them for the Big Ten tournament and for the NCAA tournament because you do have a lot quicker turnaround, but you also don't have a whole month of of that. So yeah, who knows? All right, do we have any final predictions for the Maryland game? Um, I will go first, and I know that I sounded. I guess I got my predictions right. The Iowa game because I said that they would lose. Indiana would lose both 
Just did. I, I did yeah. say that last yeah. week. Um, I I'm going to continue to be a um, glass half empty person, I suppose, and say that I think Maryland is going to win this. Um, they're going to be at home. They they granted they did just lose to Michigan on Sunday, seventy one to fifty nine. But Michigan, as we know, is a very good team. Um, but that being that 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 aside. Maryland is a very talented team. They have Angel Reese, who we didn't really talk about, but she's scoring 17.6 points per game and is averaging 10.5 rebounds. Um, and so they've got they've got a whole lineup of impressive people, and I think Indiana has more work to do to get the energy and get the, I don't want to say motivation, but get the momentum and everything, especially coming into Maryland's home environment. And I think they can keep up with them, but I think it is... I think Maryland's going to be able to pull it out. Um, so. Yeah, I, um, you know, Indiana's last few games have come against teams that are relatively one-dimensional or two-dimensional, where they only have one or two really good players. Uh, Iowa obviously has Caitlin Clark and Monica Sonato, who are two of the best players in the country, <laughs> um, let alone the conference. Uh, but. And you've also got like a Michigan State with a Nia Cloudin or a Michigan with a Nas Hillman, Nas Hillman um, where, you know, they're really led by this one player. It, Maryland is not that way. They've got Angel Reese. They've got Ashley Wusu. They've got Chloe Bibby. They've got Diamond Miller. Those are four players who are all very, very good, who are all on watch lists or uh, potential Big Ten, all first team, all second team. This is a Maryland team that is not just stop one player and you win the game. You got to stop their entire team, and I don't know. You know, I kind of got to agree with you. I don't know if Indiana is going to be able to do that, where they slow down, you know, the entire Maryland front. Uh, and even then, if they do, let's say they play the starters play each other even. Well, then you've got the bench. Indiana's bench, as we've talked about, is not the deepest. They're not very. They haven't shown an eagerness to rely on their bench too much throughout the season, whereas Maryland has a pretty good bench. I mean, not great, but, you know, More one that can... More playing time. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. that can go in and get you points and uh, help your margins. And um, I think that'll probably end up deciding the game. Yeah, I think I think it will be interesting, like you said, there's not one player on Maryland to guard. There's not one player in Indiana to guard either. Um, you know, it used to be Mackenzie Holmes, not so much anymore. Grace Berger now has the, the best average on the team after last night, but it's not like she goes off and dominates every game, it, you never know. Um, so both teams could be facing that as a potential barrier in the game. Um, but it's, I think it's going to be a very interesting close out to the season, um, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, really got to see how they set the tone going into the Big Ten I, tournament. That too. Yeah, losing what they would, if they do lose, it would be losing four or five to end the regular mm -hmm. season is the opposite of what you want, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I agree. I don't really see IU going into Maryland and winning, mostly because of their outstanding home record. And IU's just been a bit hobbled, which isn't necessarily their fault with scheduling issues. It's just, that's a tough game. It was tough at Assembly Hall. It's going to be tougher there. I don't see it going well for them. Alrighty, that was this week's edition of the Payoff Podcast. Thank you so much for listening along. We'll be here next week. Until then, have a fantabulous day.